Thanks for tuning in. You are now listening to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Ken Cairns, a weekly sports card podcast with lessons he's learned in the hobby and life lessons he's learned along the way. So sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded is the cards. You are now on with Ken. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast. With me, your host, Ken. I'm a retired teacher documenting my hobby journey here on the pod finding teachable moments to share with all of you along the way. Don't forget to hit me up on social media, on Instagram, at sportscard underscore lessons. Hit the follow button. And you can also watch these episodes on my YouTube channel, Sports Card Lessons. If you like what you hear, please like, definitely subscribe, and most importantly, tell a friend and spread the word. Welcome, everyone. How is everyone doing? Fantasy football this week. 3-0, baby. Back to my winning ways. Uh, that one cursed league was finally able to pull out the win. Um, going into uh, Monday, I was worried, uh, but it all worked out. I actually ended up winning by like 15 or 18 points. So uh, I'm getting excited. We're just past the, uh, you know, the, the the halfway point of the season, but the the fantasy. This is the stretch. This is the home stretch now for fantasy. This is where I've got to uh, put together four or five wins together to uh, to make to to really start to make a run. So uh, hopefully, I'll make the playoffs in all three. I think I'm definitely uh, I would be in on two of them. Um, even if I went 500 on the other two, but this, this last league, this cursed league, uh, putting all my effort in there, see if we can make the playoffs. Going to jump into the episode today. Uh, and at the end, uh, I have, I'm going to answer listener question at the end. So we're going to jump straight in today. So today's episode has the state of the hobby made smarter collectors. Has the state of the hobby made smarter collectors? And I guess I direct that statement more so at the newer collectors that have stayed in the hobby. People who jumped into or back into the hobby during the pandemic, such as myself. You know, I direct that question. So when we came back in, the state of the hobby then was almost like a free-for-all for us, right? I mean, things were... And, and I've talked about this. You could buy a card and turn around and, and sell the card or trade the card for, for a profit in days, right? But now things have changed. Uh, and, and the people like myself who jumped into the hobby, has it made us now smarter collectors? Has it changed the way we're doing things in the hobby? Interestingly enough, when I talk to collectors who have been in the hobby for years, they never changed what they were doing because they expected the market to correct as it did and things to just kind of go back to the way they've done things for years. And as I direct that statement more so at the newer collectors that, that jumped into the hobby, like, like I did, we brought all the new money. We brought all the new, all the people who jumped in the hobby during the pandemic brought all the new money into the hobby. So all the, these astronomical sales, everything that were, these weren't old school collectors, all of a sudden spending a million dollars on a card 
you know, obviously I've never done that, but these were new people getting into the hobby, seeing these cards as an investment or just wanting to own the best cards and started putting all this money out into the hobby. So they brought, we brought, because I brought money into the hobby too. We brought money into the hobby and now the hobby's changed a little bit. I know I become a much smarter collector. Personally, I become much more grounded and focused with my collection. I'm more selective on what I'm buying and really identifying the price that I want to pay for a card. And then that becomes my hunt. That's, that's my chase. That's what I'm looking for. If I find a card I want, I identify the price that I want to pay for this card. It may be a comp. It may be over a comp, maybe under a comp, whatever it is. I'm identifying, then I start hunting for it, right? And and see if I can get it at the price I want. And there may be a ton of people selling that same card and the price is just not what I'm looking for. I may try to negotiate. And if I can't get it, I'm not just breaking down and saying, oh, that's okay. I'm just going to pay that price. No, I'm waiting now. So has that made me smarter to be, you know, to, to sit back a little bit and, and start really being selective of the cards that I want to buy and the cards that I want to put uh, in my case at shows and in this case behind me on the wall. I think most collectors that jumped into the hobby during the pandemic, are they active? Are they really active? And, and, and I say this, you know, are they actively here? Are those collectors that jumped into the hobby during the pandemic, are they active, actively here? And that, that key word, active, are they still active? Are they participating in the hobby? And I quote my good friend, Rob, at Sports Card Therapist, Participate, participation is required, right? Are they still active in the hobby? Because I know there's a lot of people that I've talked to that kind of got involved in the hobby when I got involved in the hobby uh, that are still in. And then there's a number of people that I used to message with all the time and now I'm not messaging with at all. And when I do reach out, hey man, how's it going? What's going on? Um, they say they're taking a little break, taking a little hi hiatus, you know, waiting for the dust to settle, see where they fit back in the hobby. Um, and I think for a lot of people who are just on the collecting end, they realize they have all these cards, cards they love, and the values have dropped on them. So it, they find it hard to be active. Um, they're not sure if they want to put more money out into the hobby now. They want to maybe wait and see where the prices of cards are going. Uh, the cards they have now... Uh, and even for myself being active in the hobby, you know, you would have a card, you'd see another card you might like, and you want to sell some of your own inventory to go buy into another card that you found that you might want. So if your cards aren't worth what you paid for them, it's difficult to sell those cards at a loss to try to get up, work your way up to possibly another card that you like. Um, so they're taking a break. They're taking a hobby break. Very few people jumped in to the hobby with no collecting experience. They all collected cards at one time or another in their life. 
and we've heard the story. I, I, I take in a lot of content and every story starts with somebody who's either been in the hobby or they were in the hobby at one point and then jump back in during the pandemic. That seems to be ju just the norm almost for people who are in the hobby or, or have been in the hobby. But very few people jumped in with no collecting experience. Um, so they came with some type of cards, right? So even myself, all of a sudden you look at the, the card prices are going up and what do we say? Oh, I got some cards in the closet, in the attic, in the basement, boxed up in somewhere. And you go start pulling them out. And it could be just that, that drops you, puts you right back into the hobby you know, buying and selling and trading. Cause all of a sudden these cards that you've been collecting, you realize there's some value to them. Uh, and, and then you start seeing what else is out there. And then you start, you know, getting a little nostalgic for players or new players. Um, a lot of us who jump back in, we're prospecting, um, a lot of prospecting and a lot of money in prospecting. And it's funny how many people I've met in the hobby that, that had, some type of gambling in their life, right? I, tons of people I've talked to. And I know for myself before the pandemic, um, I was, I live in here in Connecticut. We got some great casinos in Connecticut. Once a month, I was going up to the casino. And once a year, I was making a trip out to Las Vegas. So, so I enjoy that, you know, gambling aspect of it. And I think what happened was, you know, pandemic wise and people, you know, were stuck at home. It, it became another, you know, almost, almost a form of gambling, if you will. Um, and let's face it. I mean, prospecting, prospecting is gambling. I mean, breaks are gambling, ripping wax is gambling. Um, so this, this, this hobby, you know, attracts people from all walks of life. But when we come into the hobby, um, there's something that draws us in. There's there's something about the hobby that draws us in and keeps us in and and lets us jump in, you know, two feet, hit the ground running. Uh, and, and I know that happened with me and that happened with a lot of people. There's just something about this hobby. And I'm not sure if it's the if it was the gambling acts aspect of it. Um, but I know if I was going to the casino and I was playing a particular game and I was losing every week, I, I, there comes a point I'm not going to go back and do it. Right. And, and I think, um, people want to be winners. You want to win. You want to go out, you want to win the deal. You want to be able to, to, you know, get, get all the cards at, at a great price. I mean, that's what we all want to do. Uh, and, and at a price where, you know, you could turn around and sell that card at any moment. It's a liquid card, no matter what I paid for it, I'm going to get my money right back out of it. You know, that was something you used to hear all the time. Uh, what's liquid. It's a liquid card. So if I bought this card and if I needed money for anything, I could just sell this card and I had the money. If I wanted to upgrade to another card, a bigger card, uh, if I needed the money, I could sell the card. There's going to be a buyer for that card. And that still holds true today, but I don't know if that same value is still there. So I think people who even felt like they had liquid cards uh, may be taking a step back saying, you know, I paid good money for this card. 
it may be a liquid card. People may want to buy this card, but is the price right? And I think it's the price aspect uh, that is making smarter collectors out there. It, it's it's allowing us to, and I say us, I'm including myself because I know I become a smarter collector. Um, just identify what you're looking for in a card, who you're looking for, what you want to collect. And most importantly, and you heard people say this all the time, well, I love this guy. So if the market went to zero tomorrow, I'd be happy to have this card. People say that, but do they really mean it? I say that. But do they really mean it? I think there's a lot of people out there that are frustrated that they paid good money on a card that the value is just not there on the card. And I think maybe that frustration is, is had people take a step back and reevaluate, you know, what their lane is in the hobby. Um, the slowdowns uh, at the shows. Um, is that really true? I don't think so. I, I mean, I know, and I want to say this because I, I, we, I talked about this on a few episodes recently uh, about being at the shows and then being slow. But the more I talk to people and the more I, I'm really viewing what's going on, you know, I talked about too many tables at shows, too many dealers shopping and not enough uh, collectors buying. But a lot of it has to do with the price now. A lot of it has to do with the price now. Um who is willing to put their cards, you know, put the prices on their cards at what the current comps are. Because if I'm going to a show and I'm going to, I'm going to buy a card. I mean, I know what the value is. And I just talked about identifying a card, getting a price for that card. Right. So um, if I'm going to a show and I say, I want to buy this card and I want to buy this card for $500, now the comps, the most recent comps on that card may have been between four seventy five and six fifty, right? And I'm saying to myself, I want to buy that card at five hundred dollars. Now, if I show up at a show and everybody's got that card at seven hundred and fifty or eight hundred dollars, I'm not going to buy that card. So where's the slowdown? The slowdown is 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 the money coming out of my pocket for that card, right? I think this is where the slowdown is happening. I I think that. Uh, and, and as a dealer and getting ready for a show, um, in about a week and a half, uh, I'm getting ready for a show. Um, uh, I, I need to evaluate the, my cards and the prices on my cards and the cards that I'm selling in my case versus the cards that I'm keeping going to keep right, right in the rack here behind me, because there's cards that I've purchased that I'm not going to move the card at the curtain comp. So I'd rather just keep that card. Um, am I hoping the value goes up someday? Of course, I'm hoping that down the road, the value is going to go up, go back to where I bought it or higher on that card. But being, being in the hobby and being a collector, I'm not that upset about that. Um, because the money that I've put out for these cards isn't life-changing money. Money that I've seen be spent at some of these auctions for most people is life-changing money. These are the people that I would feel would would have a gripe, would be more upset. People who spent 
you know, upwards of, you know, over six figures up to a million dollars, right. On a card there, there's no card that I purchased is life changing that, that if I couldn't sell the card or I had to take a slight loss on the card, it's not, it's not the end of the world. You know, it's not the end of the world to me, but being a dealer, it's, it's, replenishing my cases with cards that I can't make, I can make money on and moving some of my older inventory at whatever price I can get for it. And I'm going to talk um, a little bit more later uh, on the listener question, because it comes back to, uh, it comes back to one of these cards um, about pricing. Um, I just think Everybody is more informed now. You know, if you're in this hobby, you're taking in content and you're listening to people like me and you're listening to a lot of other people and you're getting a lot of opinions, but you just get an idea of what's going on out there uh, at the shows or in the hobby or online. Even if you're not active on Facebook or Instagram and purchasing or looking up cards, if you're listening to content, you have a good idea of what's going on out there and how people are feeling and interviews, people are coming in and, you know, people are getting together and they're just talking about the hobby. Uh, and what the state of the market I almost think that we're going to start to see more traffic at the shows. As much traffic, maybe as we saw uh, over the last year with these really crowded shows. And I think people are coming as collectors. They're going to be coming to look for the cards that possibly were priced out of their reach. Cards that they wanted and 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 just couldn't just couldn't afford at the time now that the prices have come down and the deals are getting better i think you're going to see a lot more people especially if you're a collector a lot more people now showing up and saying hey you know you've been at, if you've been at the shows you know everybody's got the phone they pull it out hey look the last comp was whatever and you've got this card marked up four hundred dollars or three hundred dollars or a thousand dollars more than the last comp you know let, let, can, can we negotiate on this or am I moving on type of thing and, and getting ready for my next show? This is what I'm expecting. This is what I'm expecting. People are going to come armed with their knowledge, with their phone, with their comp. They know what card they're looking for and they kind of have an idea of the price they want to pay. I mean, I, it, whether I'm on this side of the table or that side of the table, I understand that because if I'm walking a show, I'm going to be that customer. I'm going to be that person that has an idea of exactly what I want to pay and the, the card that I'm coming to look for um, at a show. As a collector, I need to find great deals to add to my PC and maybe even my case to sell. But the word I use there is a collector. I need to find great deals to add to my PC. But are today's discounts tomorrow's comps? And I'm going to say that, say that again. Are today's discounts tomorrow's comps? And I talked about buying uh, the Justin Herbert XRC PSA 10 that I tried to buy 
at national at East coast national. And at that time, my budget was $2,000 on that card. And people had it at 2,300 and 2,500 and $3,000. And nobody would budge on that card. Not nobody would budge an inch on that card. There was no way I could get that card for 2k. Now we're talking about July and August. And if you've been listening a few episodes ago, I ended up buying one. I bought it online, $1,500. Um, and that on eBay and and through Facebook and Instagram, they were still selling, you know, anywhere from $1,800 to $2,100. Still selling it there. I was super excited. Here's a card I tried to pay 2K for. I couldn't. And I ended up getting for $1,500. I was just super excited. Put it, told everybody, oh, I got this great deal. Told the listeners, talked about it on the show, put it in the case behind me, right? Now I see that card, the buy it nows on eBay are about $1,500, you know, $1,699, right? So, so at that time, it was a great deal. I mean, I got you know, almost $500, four or $500 off that card. It was a, it was an awesome deal that I made. So one month, so one month after getting it well under comps, my discount is now almost becoming the comp on the card. So are today's discounts, any discounts, like we're excited about these discounts we're getting, are they just going to be tomorrow's comps? Is, is 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 this where we're settling in at and and where does it end where does where does the the decline end and bottom out and start to come up i don't know and i and you know i ask a lot of people and they say the same thing your guess is as good as mine because nobody really knows the people that i know that are confident in this hobby and happy in this hobby and are the people who have been in the hobby for many years, people who just didn't jump in to the hobby and they've seen this happen, you know, before over the years, they've seen the ups and the downs of the hobby. So they know exactly what to expect. I think they were probably the most prepared for when this happened, um, when the market started to correct. If I'm buying a PC card, should I worry about what I'm paying? Should I worry about what the comps are? If it's at comps, under comps, over comps? It's going in my PC, right? It's not going anywhere else. Um, it's almost asking a question, should I grade that card? Well, if it's going in your PC, why do you care what it's graded at? Well, I kind of do. And 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 to me, in my mind, it kind of protects it too, right? It's in a case, it's, 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 it's a little more protected. But... Should I worry about what I pay? Um, is it a rare card? Is it a card that I'm looking, you know, that there's only so many of them out there that somebody can set the price at? Or is, you know, is it a more current card? And I think that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Like, what are we willing to pay for a card that we're going to put in our PC? And everybody, everybody's answer is different depending on what the card is. And, and, and what you're willing to pay for the card. Identifying a card that I'm looking for, right? Or I say I'm, I'm, I'm putting a chase on it 
or I want to acquire. Am I going out there just to acquire it? Am I acquiring it for myself? I'm where, where, where's this card going? Um, as a collector, when I jumped into the hobby, I've probably overspent on at this point, at this point, I know I've overspent on some cards that are in my PC that I have in my PC that, um, probably bought them at the height of the market and they've come down, but I'm not that upset at, I'm not that upset at those cards. Those, those weren't cards that I were, I was putting in my case to move. I wasn't trying to move these cards. Uh, these cards and some of these cards you don't even see on the wall behind me. Some of them I have in another case somewhere else. So when I go back and I look at those cards and I say, yep, you probably overspent on those cards, but that's okay. It's not upsetting to me because they were cards I was going to keep anyways. So whether I paid a dollar or a hundred dollars for the card, if it was a card I was going to keep, it didn't matter. But the cards that are in my case now that I purchased, that I need, yeah, that I purchased to put in my case to sell at shows, I have to display and price those as if. I was just a collector or an attendee at the show. Because if I overprice all my cards in my case, then I really just become a buyer at a card show because I'm not going to be selling any cards. And I don't think people, I don't have any rare cards in my case that people walk into a show and say, geez, you're the only guy I know that owns this card. And then you can make a price. I don't have any of those cards. So if, I want to be successful at the shows and I want to have sales at the shows. I need to price my stuff right. Um, and this is what I'm up against now. And this is where I'm talking about um, has the state of the hobby made smarter collectors. I need to set my case up at the show as if I was a collector coming in to buy. And that's the only way I can be successful. So as I go out now and I look for cards that I'm going to add to my case, because at some point um, I, I need to turn my inventory over. As a collector, I am only going to put cards in my case that I think other people really want, people that are really looking for. Where in the past that I'm like, oh, okay, this is a really cool card. I kind of like this card. So I was buying cards that I were putting in my case that I liked, right? But what 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 I like and what most people like and, and a lot of those cards that I really thought were cool ended up becoming stale cards. So in, in, in some way, the state of the hobby has made me a smarter dealer too, right? Having to readjust change my lane up a little. What am I doing? Am I going to go to more single cards and less slabs? Am I going to buy singles and have them graded and put it out there? So these are the things that, that I need to work on. So over the, over this, this, this busy season now, between now and the end of the year, um, it's things I'm just going to take note of. I'm going to be walking around at the, I'm going to be selling at these shows, but I'm going to be walking around observing what other people do. How are people successful? Um, 
you know, I talked to my guy, John at behind underscore the underscore diamond. Um, and he tells me his shows in long Island have great traffic. Um, he just had a show this past weekend. He called me up. We were talking about it and he said, look, he said, we had good traffic. And if your prices were right, people were buying. Um, I talked to some people who went to the Chantilly show and they said there, the, the traffic was good, good. And the prices were high. Uh, dealers were admitting, they were saying, Hey, look, I'm high on these cards. Uh, and they walked around, they didn't buy, uh, on Saturday, Sunday, they went back late in the day, a few hours before the show ended, they made a list of the, the dealers or the tables that had cars that they were really interested. And they went back and they ended up making deals on the cards. And, and at that point, you know, um, the dealers were looking to make some sales that, you know, if this is a business, you got to make some money. I mean, you just can't go to a show and just not sell anything. Uh, so these guys, they were smart. They spent the day Saturday looking, looking for what they wanted. Just what I'm talking about. Smarter collector made notes, went back Sunday later in the day and said, let's make a deal. And, and they started getting some good deals on cards. Um, eventually those cards are going to be, you know, those cards are going to be gone. Eventually the dealer at some point, um, any of these cards that people are high on and they're overpriced in their case, eventually they're going to sell. Eventually there's going to be a turnover in most people's cases that, that the prices are going to come back to, um, what, you know, what the current comps are say, um, and I think that's going to weed out a lot of dealers because I, I think for a good amount of the time, and I've talked about it, I've talked about it on my podcast, you know, setting up at these shows and just selling so much stuff, just not even be able to sit down all day, just people coming and buying and buying. I don't think people are going to be buying like that anymore. I don't think that, I don't think that new, there's a much, as much as that new money in the hobby as there was, um, and I think it's going to be a little bit more work. And I think the margins are going to be a little bit lower. And I think it's just going to weed weed out the dealers. And I think that's, who does that benefit? That that benefit the collector? It benefits the smart collector. Um, and it probably benefits the dealers too. Uh, because if you have less dealers, it's, you know, it's a little less competition at the show. Less dealers is less tables. Uh, next week, uh, I'm getting ready. I talked about this, getting ready for a show on the 19th in New Jersey. Um, and I've just started pulling out my cards and, you know, taking a good hard look at them, you know, just seeing wh what's going to go, what's, what's staying, what's going in the PC and then what's going to go, what's going to go out in the cases. I mean, what are we going to sell? What are we going to adjust prices? Um, and I know I know there's going to be some cards I'm going to I'm I'm going to take a loss on. There'll be some cards that I'm probably going to break even on. And and I'm hoping that you know there's going to be cards I'm going to make a little profit on. Uh just kind of look for a general balance in there cuz at some point at some point I'll have to turn my cases. My cases will have to get turned over to 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 new inventory or you know not completely turned over. Um 
But I'm definitely, I'm definitely looking into, um, and I talked about this, getting my soup box going, getting, I've been working on, on, on singles boxes. Um, you know, it's funny. Somebody had said to me, you know, can, when you go to a show, dollar cards, $3 cards, $5 cards, even $10 cards are always a dollar, $3, $5 or $10. But these higher end cards that are, uh, you know, 700, 800, a thousand, they could come down to 200, 300, 400. So if you have a $10 card that drops to $8, what's the big deal, right? You could still move that card, but if you got a thousand dollar card that drops to, you know, 300 or $400, it's a lot harder to move that card. Um, so I'm definitely getting involved more in, 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 in the singles box, uh, and building some singles boxes and uh, just working that angle uh, for these upcoming shows to see um, see how well it works for me. But I'm just looking forward, man, just looking forward to getting getting out and setting up at a show. Uh, it, it feels like it's been forever. It feels like it's been forever. So I'm excited. You know, I'm a week and a half away, uh, really getting excited for the next show. On Monday, I'm going to be dropping an interview episode with a couple fellow Wolfpack members, uh, Dave at DJ Sports Card 86 and Craig at New York City Sports Cards. We're going to be talking about how the World Cup will affect the soccer card prices and getting ready for World Cup. And if you know, I've been talking about and I'm looking forward to this because I've been picking up soccer cards all year because everybody's been saying when the World Cup comes, those prices are going to go up. So I have, you know, a good maybe 18, 20 soccer cards that I picked up, you know, over the last however many shows. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping these are things I can put in my case and and, and the prices are, are right on them. Uh, shout out to Ziggy No Sports Card Show on YouTube, who left some comments uh, on last week's pod. Uh and, and he leaves regular comments. I appreciate you listening. I, I really do, man. And, and I just wanted to, you know, just kind of go over your comments and question over the comment and a question. I'm just going to go over both of them uh, and just, just talk about it here for a minute. Um, so he wrote, what is the goal with the Brady card? And going back, we've talked on a few episodes of that Brady uh, BGS nine. Um, that I had the opportunity to sell uh, at 2700 and I didn't, and I held it, and now the values are down on it. Um, so he said, is it an investment? Uh, his suggestion was, I would sell it if it's an investment. If it's a PC or more, then don't worry about it. But he would suggest selling it now and buying it back in a year or two. There's no reason for the card value to go up. Why? Do you think it will go up in the next six months? How about 12 months? If you use logic, there's no reason it would go up, but lots of reasons why it would go down. And, and he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. And, and I, I'm hoping this is the last time I talk about this Brady BGS nine. Cause, cause you know, I, I made the statement last week and I stand by it. He's a proven goat no matter what happens with him this season, we all know he should never come back. And, and I really, truly, hopefully, 
hoping that he retires, that this is it for him this year. And I think the retirement will kick those prices back up again. I, I, I really do. I think when he retires, it would kick it up. But if it doesn't, he's still, it's still a card that's 20 to 22 years old. It's a 2000 Bowman Chrome and they didn't make, I mean, I know, I know the pop count is high on those cards, but it's not as high as a lot of these more recent cards that are coming out. Uh, and, and I'm happy just to hold that card. I really am. Uh, and, and you're probably right. I probably could have sold it then at 2,700 and maybe bought it back today at $2,400. Um, or sold it and bought a better one, right? Maybe a B, maybe a nine five or a PSA ten. I mean, I certainly could have done that too, and, and there's no reason that I may not yet do that. But right now, it, it's a card that I'm not upset that I didn't sell. I'm still happy I own the card, and I think, as to your question, what would the only reason it would go up? I just think it's retirement. I think once he retires, I think some of those values may go up. They may not. They may never go up and I may own that card for the rest of my life. And that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, another question he asked, a uh, really good question. Do you look back at 2022 and realize now that there was really no good investments in the cards? And I really thought about that and I was going to respond online. And I thought this may be just something good I can talk about here on the pod. And I say, it depends on how you look at it because a lot of the higher end cards in my case that brady that we've been talking about the mahomes silver and i've got a number of of uh, xrc psa 10s um they all came from leveling up all those cards came from taking the stars from this year these these prism silvers and the autograph they all came leveling up trading those cards up to these bigger cards that i have in my case uh, and some that are in my PC. So a good investment. Well, as far as what I did for leveling up, yes, it worked for me. Um, but as far as prospecting, I and I do still have a number of those cards. Uh, it's yet to be seen if it was a good investment or not. And it could take years before we know. Um, my biggest fear with those cards is at some point it's going to be considered junk wax from being overproduced. That's why, and I've talked about this, that when I'm investing, when I'm talking about investing in cards in the hobby, I'm not prospecting. I'm investing. I'm, I'm going to invest my money into proven players that uh, can't get benched. And can't tear an ACL and, you know, people who have already proven themselves. So when we talk about an investment, I think those are the safe investments. If I want to do some prospecting, I can do some prospecting, but that's not an investment. You know, that that's like saying I'm going to the casino and I'm going to play blackjack because it's an investment, because it's, it's, it's a gamble, because I could lose it all and walk away with nothing, right? So that's the same thing with these cards. So, um Investing in goats and and prospecting in in anyone else really, and again we won't know. It'll be a few years. There was plenty of rookies uh, in in the twenty twenty one rookie class, um, and we, we won't know for a while if any of them are really going to pay off or not. 
Upcoming shows talked about it. Uh, November 19th, Sea Caucus, New Jersey, La Quinta Inn and Suites, last show. Looking forward to it. Um, then Thanksgiving weekend, November 26th, 27th, Westchester show in Terrytown, New York. Uh, the last show again, Garden State show, Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, December 10th. And then the Big Apple Trading Card Show in the New Yorker Hotel in New York City, uh, Sunday, December 18th. Looking forward to all those shows. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And if you like what you hear, please like. Definitely subscribe. Please subscribe. And most importantly, tell a friend, spread the word. And until next time, be good to yourselves and everyone around you.